Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Ridgeview Church for week two of Streams of Thought. My name is Alex. I'm the pastor here. And uh, we're so glad that you've joined us, like Joel mentioned. Uh, it is just such a great opportunity for us as a church to still be the church together. I know uh, it's been many weeks that we've been online, uh, but as we look at God's word together, he really does bring us the help that we need. And as we look to him for help, we can make progress. And so this week has been one, at least for me personally, that's been filled with lots of emotion, lots of things that are going on in our city, in our country. Uh, there's a lot of unrest. Uh, there's a lot of things that, you know, just we're facing that, that we're not quite sure of, of how to respond. And so I just want to start off by maybe just identifying uh, some of the emotions that you yourself uh, are dealing with. The reason I do that is on Sunday, if we were gathering together, uh, we would be greeting and catching up before service, and we were doing that after service, uh, but we really don't have that opportunity right now, and so the chat is, is a way that we can you know, identify with each other, and so I just like you, what are some emotions that you have felt this past week? Uh, go ahead and just maybe identify uh, some of those. As I was thinking for myself, as you're writing those, um, I was frustrated, just frustrated with kind of this, this feeling of not knowing what to do or what to say to the events around. I, I felt somewhat paralyzed. Uh, just the season of the sheltering at home and now we're, we're under a curfew. Um, I, I felt like I don't have the freedom to do whatever I want and that further leads to feeling paralyzed and further uh, frustrated. And so I'm, I'm sure if, if you're like me, you have just a wide range of emotions. And so as you're identifying them, it's helpful. It's, it's helpful to pinpoint the things that, that you're feeling. Why? Well, those emotions, like we talked about last week, they, they tend to cause us to react. And as we have emotions and we react, we're going down a certain path. We're going a direction that gets us to a certain destination. And so we need to identify our emotions and think, okay, what do I do with these circumstances? What do I do uh, with everything that's going on around me? So today's message, we're focusing again on our thoughts, but we're going to be internalizing this. I think so much of what we're experiencing right now is external. We're experiencing things, we're seeing things, we're on social media, and the more you're on social media, the maybe more emotional you can get. And all that external pressure and all those things that are happening are happening out here, and again, that just leads us as paralyzed, like we don't know what to do. But today I wanna to focus actually on the thing that we can do, and that's our own life. Your life is actually a gift from God, and it's a stewardship that he's given you, meaning he's given you this life, and the energy and a resource with your life, and all the power that you have to actually do something, to actually act, to, to lean in and make a difference in the world. And so while it's so easy to focus externally and it's normal to feel paralyzed, today I want to focus on what we can do internally to make a difference in our lives and the world around us. So here I want to start with kind of this, this central idea, and it's this. Who I am determines what I do. And I just want to say that again, but who I am determines what I do. So today we're focusing, and the title of this message is, Who Do You Think You Are? We're talking about actually our identity. Our identity and how we see ourselves is so crucial to the quality of life 
that we experience. It's actually crucial to the choices that we make. All of this has a deep impact just by how we see ourselves. So how we see ourselves impacts what we do. But here is what we all know from our own experience, but sometimes we need to be reminded, and it's this. A defective self-image, when it's, when it's messed up, a defective self-image can actually limit God's work in me and through me. So you see how those are connected. Who I am determines what I do, but if my view of who I am is messed up, then that actually can limit the very work that God wants to do in our lives. And so we really want to have an accurate view of who God says that we are. We want to dig into God's word this morning and ask God, God, will you tell us who we are so we will know what to do? We will know how to respond at home, in our marriages, in family life, at work. We'll even know how to respond to our neighbors and in our community. We'll know how to respond because we know who we are. Now, if you're like me, sometimes I just don't think of this stuff. I don't think of my, my own identity and the thoughts that I'm telling myself. Again, things are just come through the door unfiltered, unguarded, and it leads me down the path. But there are some powerful thoughts that we have about ourselves that actually can really uh, derail progress. And so I just want to start by not like just landing here and, and feeling so burdened and overwhelmed, but to identify some of the defective self-image thoughts that we can have that we have to be careful of. So as I mentioned these, uh, I just encourage you, just kind of make a mental note. Is, is this you? Do you ever have these thoughts? And you probably do, just like I do, and that's okay. But identifying them is, is really the most important step to knowing, okay, God, I, I see I do this. Help me with your word to, to correct, to have this course correction. Help me in your word to, to reevaluate who, who I am. So here are some major ways that we tend to have a defective self-image or defective thoughts about who we are. First is a self-condemnation. This is where we, we beat ourselves up. We condemn ourselves. Uh, have you had thoughts like this? That's a horrible thing for you to think or for you to do. And you just, how could you ever do that? And you tell yourself like, what was I, what was I thinking? And, you know, you just, as you process that more, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm terrible. That, that was awful. How could I ever think that? And you actually feel like this picture. You see this picture of, of worms? When you look at worms, you don't think like valuable. You think of dirty. You think of what, what's the point? And for much of our lives, as we condemn ourselves, we can feel just like that. Like we're just kind of in the mud with, with no purpose, and so self-condemnation is one. Another is just insignificance. And this is the idea of that no one really under, understands you. No one uh, really cares about you. And you just begin to believe that. Like no one cares. No one understands. And you just get lower and lower into the pit of this defective self-image. Another is incompetence. And this is just, I can't do this. I'll never be able to do this. I'm going to go a different way. And we, we tend to give up. Uh, we tend to bail out when things get hard. Uh, God wants us to, to, to push through and lean on him for help. But we can just derail progress because we keep starting over in life. We can feel incompetent as parents. We can feel incompetent in marriage. We can feel incompetent as a Christian. Like, I don't know how to follow Jesus. And therefore, we just kind of go off and we can get off track. 
Do you identify with any of those? Self-condemnation, insignificance, and incompetence? Well, all of those, again, those really impact our our self-image. And if that's defective, God's work can really be limited in our lives. There's also one more, and this is people-pleasing. We talk about this a lot because... Again, people-pleasing is we focus externally on what people think of us. And and here's an image of that. And you can see the different questions. What will they think? What if I say no? Will we still be friends? Will they get mad? I wish I could say no. And, And you get caught in just those emotions of what others will think of you by what you say. What will others think of you by what you do or don't do? And again, we get so focused on the external views of people that it actually tears us up on the inside. So again, you don't need to wallow there. You don't need to spend so much time like, oh my goodness, this is me and and just go further down into that pit. But maybe make a note. And if you're taking notes on the listening guide, just kind of make a note like this is the one that that keeps getting into my mind. So what I want to do is let's look at the scriptures which really give us the right perspective of what do you do when your self-image is defective? What do you do when you actually don't have an accurate view of who God made you to be? Here's the greatest news. My real value is set by the one who made me. And I just want to say that again. My real value is set by the one who made me. We live, you know, in this country where most people have bought into this evolutionary process of, you know, humanity, where we just have come from this existence of mass and it's impersonal mass that leads to impersonal lives and really lives don't have value. And if you come from this evolutionary process, it's so impersonal and impersonal, you know, mass leads to impersonal lives. And again, there's no significance there. We're not machines, We actually have been created by God to have purpose, to have meaning, and no one can take that away. But it's very interesting. When we just buy into there's no God, there's no creator, and we're just living our life independently, we're just trying to survive, the strongest will survive, there's actually no meaning there. But our real value is set by the one who made me. And here's the greatest news as well. There's actually help in God's word. And so let's dig into that. So who does God say uh, that we are? Here's the first thing. We are made by God in his image. That's why we have value. The reason we have value is God made us. He created us. He knows us. He actually, what the scriptures say, he knitted us together. And this idea of knitting is he in his creativity and in his power and in his care and in his concern made every single human being. And he set us above all of creation because we're made in his image to have this special relationship with him. And we're made in his likeness. And because of that, we actually don't fit the standards that the world says. Like we, we look at in the color of our skin, things that we're dealing with right now. We look at socioeconomic, the rich or the poor. Well, check out what the scripture says in Proverbs 22. It says, the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Interesting. The rich and the poor, they can gather, they can be one. Why? Not because of their richness or poorness. Again, that divides. Socioeconomic, it divides. Color, it can divide. 
But actually, what unifies is the Lord is the maker of them all. Check out this passage in James 3. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. And I just want to highlight a few things that that, that that passage says. The first is that we were made in God's likeness. Again, the creator created. He made us and we're made in his likeness. So every life has value. Why? Not because I say that. Not because anyone says that. Not because any external government societal process says that. You actually have value because God made you. And he says you have value and therefore it's true. And no one can actually take that away. And because of that, we're, we're created to reflect him. So the scripture says we're made in God's likeness, but notice where you can start to see things get messed up. The next part says that we or with the tongue, we praise our Lord and father and with it, we curse men. So we're made in God's likeness. And because of that, we actually should be whole in our inmost being. I mean, could you imagine if, if you stop to think like God, the creator, the most powerful, the almighty, the all-knowing, the all-seeing made me. He made me who I am. Again, in his utmost power and creativity. Well, if that's not enough to give me significance, nothing will. But when we sin, when we go our own way, we reject that significance. We tell God, God, I don't want the value you give me. I'm going to find my value in other places. I'm going to find value by pursuing things that will make me feel better. I'm going to find value in what others think of me again. And we get in that people pleasing. And so what the next scripture is saying, that next section is just saying that with it, we, we praise God. We, we look to God and we say, we, we love you, God. And then at the same time, we curse each other. That just goes to show you how messed up we are. We're created by God in his likeness. We have value that no one can take away but we get so messed up because we've all rebelled. That's what sin is. When I look at the world right now, the only solution I can see starts at the core of sin. There is evil that exists and evil has come because of sin. And all of us have to deal with it and all of us face it and all of us have to decide what we're gonna do with it. And God in his likeness is gracious, but we have to admit that we're messed up. Inside, internally, we are defective. We have this self-image that's not quite right. So we're made in God's likeness that gives us value, but things are a mess. We can curse at the same time we praise God. And that's what we're seeing right now. But notice the story doesn't end. Here's the good news. We are loved in spite of our rebellion. We are loved in spite of our rebellion. Despite the fact that we say, God, You've given me value, but I reject it. I'm gonna go find it somewhere else. God did not give up on us. I mean, to further prove the value that we have, he sent Jesus. Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And while that we were sinners in the fact that we just said, God, you've given me value, but I reject it, we go off our own way. 
We're on this wild ride of trying to make sure we're significant. God says, I, I, I see you. I've not lost sight of you. And in fact, I love you so much that I'm going to send my son to pay for the rebellion. I'm going to send the most valuable treasure, the son of God, to pay the price for our sin so that evil can be dealt with. Our rebellion can be dealt with. That is such great news because of all the things that are defective in us and in our world, God has given what is necessary to solve it. That's what the gospel is. That's the good news of Christianity. And the scriptures go further in Romans 8 verse 15. And Paul's writing this and he says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Notice again the imagery there. In our rebellion, as we try to find value in ourselves, we become a slave to this defective self-image. We're in chains to not actually having an accurate view of our value. And again, it sends us on pursuits. You want to know why people pursue the wrong things? It's to make them feel better. It's to give them value. The reason substance abuse, adultery, all sorts of sins, it's because, again, people have emptied their value because they've turned away from God and they try to get their value by pursuing those things. And what Paul is saying in verse 15 through 17 is that even though we were still slaves to that, God has adopted us. He's broken the chains and not only broken us chains, he's invited us into the family. We're in the household of God. Now, who is this for? This is to all people who recognize that they have sinned and that they have rebelled. And that's what it means to be a Christian. You say, you know what, God? I have tried to find my value in things other than you. I've rejected the likeness that you have given me, even though I can't because I'm still made valuable and I'm still made in your image no matter what I do. But God, I turn around, I repent, I change the roads, I make a U-turn and I go back to you, my creator, the giver of life and value. That's what Paul's saying. You become adopted and you are now an heir and all the things that flow from God's family go to you. And that's the third thing of, of how God sees us, is that we have a high spiritual position. Check out this scripture in Ephesians 2. It says, but because of his great love for us, again, do you notice the initiator here? It's God. He's the initiator. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. Again, we're not rich in mercy. He is. Verse five, he made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. That's sin. It is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We can have a very cloudy view of our own value. And we've just talked about that, some of those thoughts that we can have. We can also have a very cloudy view 
very unclear, foggy view of the value of people. But according to this passage, God has has raised us up. There's actually a place that humans have that no other created thing have. Not even the animals, nothing in nature. Humans, because of being made in the image of God, they have a value. And the value is we get to relate to God personally. And how can we do that? The mercy of God. When you're rebels, you have no relationship with those that you rebel against. It's cut, it's destroyed. But through Jesus, God says, I, I've restored it. Even though you've rebelled, you can still relate to me. Check this uh, continuation in Ephesians 2, 7. It says, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So we have a high spiritual position. What are we supposed to do with that? Well, as a Christ follower, our high spiritual position isn't just so we can look down on others. As a church, our high spiritual position as a community of faith is to show the riches of God's grace, to show there is something here that you've been longing for because you need meaning, you need purpose, you wanna know that your life is gonna count, that you're gonna be valued, and the church is saying, here is where you're valued because in it, we can show the incomparable riches of God's grace. This is the best news. We're made in God's likeness. Even though we've rebelled, we're restored to his family. And then we have this high spiritual position and we have this high duty as the church to show people that you don't have to keep searching for purpose and meaning within yourself or anywhere else externally. You can find your meaning in God. And that's the root of Christianity. Our purpose is made whole again as we decide to follow Christ. So, Let's turn the corner. How do we build a strong self-image? So I hope that perspective has been helpful. I know for me, I have to keep telling myself this. God is the one who tells me who I am. I can get totally derailed and off track, but God is the one. I can get focused on the external, but internally, God is the one who tells me who I am. And who I am, again, determines what I do. So what do we do with that? Well, how to build a strong self-image. The first thing is, See yourself the way God does. Now, when you say that, that sounds like, well, of course, if you follow Christ, you should see the way, see yourself the way God does. Most people believe God could have created them. It's like, yeah, I just want to reflect that. And it's very maybe haphazard or it's loose, but you actually have to fight for that. And the way that you fight for it is, is God's word. God's word continues to give a mirror and a reflection of who you are. You don't find that on Facebook. You don't find that in your family. You don't find that in the newspaper, in the culture, in government. Those are not mirrors. God's word is the mirror. It shows you who you are. And frankly, that is exactly what we need right now. Jeremiah 31.3. Well, who does God say that we are? Well, check this out. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. What kind of love is it? It's everlasting. There's nothing you can do, and there's nothing that anyone can do that can stop God's love. And it says, and I have drawn you. It's, it's I have stretched. I have continued despite what we've done, despite what's been done to us. This 
this loving kindness, this everlasting love is stretched out to us. And when God stretches it out, it never runs out. It meets us exactly where we are, no matter where we are. That's a promise. That's who God says we are. He has loved us. Romans 12, 3 says this, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, this is Paul speaking again, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. So very interesting. So far, we've talked primarily about those defective self-images, usually that, that we bring ourselves down. But we can have a defective self-image that actually brings us up and raises us up above others where we think we're better for whatever reason. We just think that we're superior and it's easy to get into that. That's, that's actually what pride is and pride is part of the rebellion and it's sin and it's evil because we're actually not superior to anyone because again, we're all made in who? In God's likeness. So here Paul is saying, be careful be careful that you don't think you are better than you really are. And I just think this is so helpful. It's this having an honest, uh, the scripture here is talking about this sober judgment. The opposite of, of sober is, is what? To get drunk. And if you get drunk, you don't know which way is up, which way is down. You're confused. The world is spinning. And that's what happens when we elevate ourselves. We're acting like we're God. Now, we're like the creator here. We, we know what's happening. We know our value, and we just want to prove to everyone else our value. What Paul's saying is be very careful. You will start to stoop or you will start to stumble. But be very careful. And I think what, what Paul is showing is that there's two extremes, right? When we kind of think we're doing uh, bad, we, we tend to elevate ourselves. And then as we elevate ourselves, we get disappointed because... We actually don't come through like we thought. And then we lower ourselves and then we, we raise ourselves up. This is actually the normal approach to self-esteem. And that leads to the next point. Do right and then you, you feel right. See, the normal approach to life, we talked about this last week, is that you feel a certain way and then you, you want to think differently and then you want to you act. And... For most of us, we've been taught about self-esteem and make your, yourself feel better. Well, actually, if you're making yourself feel better, again, you actually get into that thing of you, you can think more of yourself than you should. And that ends up on this, this, this roller coaster of we feel bad, then we want to pump ourselves with the good thoughts about ourselves, and then we feel better. And then we don't come through, and then we get disappointed, and so then we feel bad. And it goes on and on. Well, check this out in Psalm 106. There is joy for those who deal justly with others and always do what is right. If you want that joy and that, that well-being, the sense that things are going to be okay, it actually starts with what we do. Again, who I am determines what I do. So all of this self-image, all the truth that I need to tell myself from God's word can actually lead me to doing the right thing. And here the scripture's talking about things that we so desperately need. Justice and righteousness. Those are like the beacons of the Christian faith. This is how God has dealt with us. And he wants us to deal with 
like this with each other. Like we, we act justly. We don't take advantage of each other. And then righteous, we, we actually treat each other with the moral standard that God has set forth. Not with any worldly standard, not with any cultural standard, but his word. And if you want well-being, you want to feel put together and have that purpose that we've been talking about, then you deal justly with others. You treat them with the value God has given them. And then you always do what is right. Now, we always don't do what is right. In fact, most days we do what's wrong. Every day we do some wrong. But what the writer is saying here in in Psalm is, again, you can't chase your feelings. You chase your feelings. You want to feel right before you do right. You're like this clip of these hamsters. Let's watch this together. Now, I watched this clip early in the week, and I just, in everything that was going on, it just kind of brought a smile. I don't know what it is, but there's something about this video, and sometimes you just see stuff, and it's just, it's just lighthearted. But in the lightheartedness of that clip, that's actually what it's like to chase our feelings, to focus on self-esteem, making us feel better. Again, when we try to make ourselves feel better, then we lead to emptiness because we don't have the value. The value is given from God. He's the one that makes us feel the right way. And we feel the right way after, notice, after we've done the right thing. Again, think, act, feel. Remember my value. Treat people out of that value. Feel the joy that comes from that. That is so helpful to remember. And that brings up the third point. Watch what you say to yourself. This is what the whole series is about. Remember the 50,000 thoughts that we have? Out of those 50,000 thoughts, many of them, we're speaking to ourselves about who we are, about what we need to do, about our value. And depending on the day, those could be good or those could be bad, but we really need to watch what we say to ourselves. Uh, There's a quote from a book I mentioned last week by Tommy Newberry, and he wrote a whole book based on Philippians 4.8, which we covered last week, and you can find that uh, on our website. But whatever's true, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's trustworthy, think about these things. And in this book, he he breaks down uh, just a lot of the thoughts that we have that aren't helpful. And this is something he said. It says, the words you mutter to yourself have the power to encourage or discourage, to motivate or deflate, to generate joy or repel it. Now, again, notice those can take us in different directions. And oftentimes when we just focus on ourselves, it's I'm great. No, you're not. Oh, I'm terrible. I'm not that terrible. I'm great. No, you're not. I'm terrible. You know, and and that's, that's how life can be. 
The good news is we don't just have to tell ourselves, again, what we feel or what anyone tells us. We don't have to look at the media to figure out who we are. No, God's word tells us who we are. That's what we've been talking about this whole time. That is power that we have through the word of God. Because if we just focus on our own feelings of ourselves, we actually can feel like a broken record. Now, for some of you, you're like, what? what's a record? For others of you, you may remember your record player. You may still have one where you put the vinyl on there and you know you lift up the, the pin and it drops it on there. And, but if the record has a little scratch in it, we don't have like the CDs back in the day. You just have where you could skip. It, it would just get caught. And here's a little clip of what a broken record sounds like. When we get stuck on those negative streams, those defective self-image statements, the self-condemnation, the people-pleasing, the incompetence, we just keep skipping. And we just keep telling ourselves lies and we can't make progress. But instead, God's word helps us. And so I just want to close out our service by just practically, how would you have kind of these conversations with yourself? Now, I don't mean as you're going around, you know, you want to be muttering to yourself because that's going to look kind of strange. But in your mind, you may need to say them. And then there might be times where you're just so caught in that, that spiral where you just out loud say, God, I need your help because this is not true. And so if you're feeling worthless, you don't want to look to what you're doing to, to make yourself worthwhile. Again, like, well, I've done this and I do this and I say this. No, you want to look at God's word. Romans 5, 8. He, God, God loves me even though I've rebelled. So my worth comes from him. So as you're feeling worthless, you speak Romans 5, 8 to yourself. Uh, when you're dealing with, with guilt or shame, Romans 8, 1, there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're a Christ follower, you are not condemned. So when you get into condemnation and guilt and shame, oh, are those heavy burdens that weigh us down, that get us so messed up on the inside and then messed up on the outside. And so you just quote yourself that, Romans 8.1. Uh, when you're getting into comparison, oftentimes that's what brings us up or down. When we're feeling really bad, we tend to look at other people. Well, I'm not that bad. Or when we're feeling really good, we tend to compare. Well, yeah, I really am good because I'm not them. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians, there's no wisdom in comparison. So that's the truth you want to tell yourself. You may think that's going to make you feel better, but there's no wisdom there. And so you have to tell yourself the truth of that. When I'm tempted to get into people-pleasing, the scripture reminds us in Proverbs 29, 20, 25, the fear of man, it's a snare. It's a trap. As you just act based on what you think people want you to do, to get them to like you, to get them to approve you, you're caught in a trap and you're going to be maimed and your progress will be stalled. So that's how it happens, guys. It is a fight to remember the truth of who we are. It's like a, a knife battle where you're just having to swing this knife, this little sword of God's word, and just it's like hand-to-hand -hand combat. 
The lies come and we fight it back with the truth. The the lie comes and we keep fighting with the truth. And so I encourage you, get into God's word for yourself. On a Sunday, I hope that as you're reading the scriptures, you, you get a sense of perspective that's helpful. But God wants to extend the perspective into your own life so you can get into God's word. And so I want to wrap up with with some next steps that can kind of help propel you uh, into, you know, starting to own some of this for yourself, starting to tell yourself uh, the truth. Because remember, who I am determines what I do and who we are as a church determines what we do. And so as a church, let's grow in God's word together so we can really understand the value that we have and the difference that we can make. Well, here's some some next steps. The first is turning to God. And we do that, we just pray. And so I just want you and invite you and I urge you to pray for our church and pray for our country. That's actually where you really start with the right view of yourself is you look at God. You say, God, I need your help. I can't do this. I feel paralyzed again. I feel driven by external things, but you, you just pray to God and you, you ask him for help. Uh, the second next step is actually three things that you can do to get into God's word yourself. And on your, your listening guide, if you've not printed that, I encourage you to do that You know, after the service. You can print that and then you can take notes this week and there's scriptures on there. And you can read it and you begin to soak that in. And so, Build a strong self-image. I gave you three options and you could circle one. Do you want to start seeing yourself the way God does and get into the scriptures of what that says about you? Second, doing right so you feel right. Again, not focused on building myself up so I feel better, but doing the right thing. Justice and righteousness. And then the third is just watch what you say. And I've given you some of those, those scriptures as well. Uh, Romans 5.8, Romans 8.1, 2 Corinthians 10.12-13, Proverbs 29.25. If you're writing those down, I think those will be a real help to get into the word for yourself. And then the third next step, and this is where it all comes together. Become a follower of Christ for the first time. You may be listening and God is speaking to you because you, like all of us, have rebelled and you're trying to find your value in someone other than God. You're trying to find your value within yourself, and so you keep trying to earn that value. You keep wanting to do better. You're trying to find your value in others. There's somebody significant in your life, and you just are looking to them to give you value, and they can't. They're not the creator. You're not made in their likeness. You're made in God's. And so if you've never decided to follow Christ, and you're feeling the external pressure, and you're feeling the turmoil inside. You feel like you're, you're just out of options for purpose and meaning. I encourage you, decide to follow Christ. You can become a follower of Christ for the first time. So what do we do with these next steps? Well, for me, and I hope for you, is you have to make a statement. You have to say, yeah, I wanna take this next step. And you wanna let people know. And that's why we have our connection card, as Joel mentioned. So as the service is wrapping up, first thing is, what is your next step? And on the chat, I encourage you to do that. I know our host will be asking that question, but what is your next step? Let everyone know, this is the next step that I wanna take. And then as a church, fill out that connection card and take that next step. That's that's how we're saying, okay, 
who we are. We want to really understand who we are so we can know what to do. And so on the connection card, uh, take uh, that next step. And then Joel in a moment will be wrapping up the service and he's gonna mention uh, topic groups and we're gonna hear from some topic group leaders. That's another great way for you to really begin to have the right identity is, is learning about a topic and God's reality, how he's wired us to be. And then to be around people and allowing them to speak the truth into us as well. That's something that's really helpful. And that's why we do groups because we need to move away from isolation and our own thoughts, which is sometimes all that we can hear. We need perspective. We need community. We need encouragement and we need help. And so Joel, Joel will mention those as well. Now here's some exciting news. I'm actually gonna be not speaking the next few weeks. Now, I say exciting. Um, I'm gonna miss uh, preaching to all of you, but it's exciting because you're gonna get to hear from some people that I think will be a real encouragement and have some perspective that will really be a help to you. And so next week, we're gonna hear from Matt Sprankle, who's the associate pastor at Church in the Valley, our sending church. And a few months ago, we had Randy Lanthrop, the senior pastor, come and speak to us. And Matt is on uh, his staff, and he's going to be sharing more on uh, this Stream of Thought series. And so we're going to continue this series, and we're going to have guest speakers over the next five weeks. So Matt Sprankle is next week. You're also going to get to hear from our own Joel Berry. He's going to be speaking for two weeks. Then we're going to hear from Thad Lanthrop, who is also on staff at Church in the Valley. And then Ben Montgomery from Ridgeview will be closing out this series as well. And so over the next few weeks, I encourage you, tune in. Come hear just what God has laid on the heart of these men as we continue to ask, God, help us to use our thoughts in a way that is productive and can make a difference. Thank you guys for joining. Let's pray together. Father, I'm overwhelmed by all that you have done to give us value. You've created us, and that in itself is a blessing that we can't fathom. And then you've, you've pursued us. You want to know us. Then, even though we've rebelled, you've loved us. You've given your son Jesus. You've shown mercy to us. And even now, you give us your word to give us the mirror and the reflection of who we are. God, thank you. Thank you for your love and kindness and the love that you've stretched out to us. Will you give us the reminder of your word, the reminder of your love, and the reminder of your mercy this week? And God, help us to know who we are so we can know what to do. In the name of your precious son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.